My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated with me, Tanya Goodin. The podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. This is a podcast about learning to live healthily and happily with technology and the digital world and understanding why sometimes that's so hard to do. I'm your host, Tanya Goodin, author and founder of digital wellbeing movement, Time to Log Off. Each week, I'll be asking a new guest how they can help us with the relationship with the tiny tyrant in our pocket, our smartphone. My guest today is genetic epidemiologist and science writer, Professor Tim Spector, one of the world's top 100 most cited scientists and best-selling author of The Diet Myth and Spoonfed. Tim founded the UK Twins Registry 30 years ago at King's College London, which demonstrated the genetic basis of a wide range of common complex traits, many previously thought to be mainly due to ageing and environment. When the pandemic struck, Tim developed his nutritional science app Zoe into the Zoe COVID Symptom Study app, a community-based citizen science approach, which ended up with 4.7 million users and 850,000 daily contributors and became the world's largest ongoing study into coronavirus. I was really keen to talk to Tim about this fantastic example of tech for good, which was so groundbreaking and went on to inform so much of what we know about COVID today. I think you're really going to enjoy my chat with him. Tim, welcome to It's Complicated. Great to be here. First of all, I have to congratulate you on your OBE for services to the pandemic response, which you got at the end of last year. Yes, seems a long time ago. Um, And it it was delayed because of COVID. Of course, but you got to go and have it um, conferred in person, didn't you? I eventually did get to go to Windsor Castle and have a chat to Prince Charles. So yes, it was uh, it, it was a fun day out. Yeah, well worth it. This podcast obviously is all about our relationship with technology. And during the lockdown, we spent a lot more time, all of us, on screens and on tech than we had done before. And nearly 
five million of us in the UK were spending time regularly on the COVID symptom study app, which you were responsible for. But I was really struck when I looked at the date that it was launched, how quickly it was available. So I just wondered if you could tell us briefly how that app came into being, because you repurposed your existing Zoe Nutrition Study app, didn't you? Yeah, it was a fascinating story, really, that none of us really thought would happen quite as well as it did. So there was an element of luck as well. But our university was being closed down. We were told to go home and work from home and wait for instructions. I'd been, for the last three years, really intensively studying nutrition. The company that I co-founded called Zoe, it was cycling home that I came up with the idea of doing something on COVID involving an app that would allow people to track their symptoms so we could keep an eye on what was going on because the government was basically completely useless and was doing no testing and people were told not to go to hospital or phone anyone, just stay indoors. And I discussed this with my uh, co-founders, getting Zoe to help do this because in a way, nutrition was on hold. No one was going to do research for the next four months. This is how long we thought it would last. So they said, yes. And the whole company dropped everything they were doing on nutrition and said, let's build a new app. It wasn't an extension of the old app. The team was all there, a typical startup biotech team, not risk averse, ready to go for it and code, you know, 24 hours a day to get it done. And amazingly, in five days, we went from concept to actually having a working model out there to release on the first night of lockdown. Of course, it had glitches and all kinds of problems, but the response we got was just amazing. Through the help of social media, people like yourself learned about it and spread the word to others so that we didn't use any conventional advertising. We had no support from any institution, really, not even my own university. People suddenly felt they had a tool that they could talk to and it could be their friend and they could build a community and feel they were doing something. It crashed our servers in the first 24 hours. And then we had another surge again, you know, a week later as we got to 2 million. And as you said, eventually got to near 5 million people who had given us their health data. And we still have three quarters of a million people logging every day two years later, which is quite phenomenal. As you were talking, I was trying to remember how I found out about it. I think somebody shared it on a WhatsApp group and said, this app is just launched. And I remember thinking, well, that's something tangible I can do during this time when we're all stuck at home. For, for those who are listening who actually didn't come across the app, it was a very easy, it is a very easy to use interface. And, and we were just logging symptoms. So logging every day if we felt well or unwell, and then logging the various symptoms, which I think expanded over time as our understanding of the the different symptoms developed. Like everyone else, we were a bit naive at the beginning and thought, you know, this was a very clear infection coming from China, just had a couple of symptoms, but very soon people were telling us they were getting many more different symptoms. So we responded to the, the feedback from users Every week we were adding more symptoms that we thought were relevant and eventually were able to sort of prove these new symptoms were linked to the condition because there was always a subgroup of people, even in the early days that were getting tested, who maybe worked in hospitals or uh, some government agency. And so we used that small group that had access to testing to, in a way, improve our models for the rest of the group where we were just predicting with about an 80% 
success rate. The whole thing grew up very much as a partnership between the public and the tech company and, and assisted by you know, academics at my university who were providing a lot of the clinical information as it was coming in uh, from around the world about what to look for. And that's where we came up with the idea from Italian colleagues saying, we're getting people in hospital who say they've lost their sense of smell. This is very unusual. You know, why don't you put it in your app and see if it's true? With this technology, we could really, within 48 hours, put that into an app and get a million people replying to us. So it was like, for me, an amazing sense of real-time research that otherwise would take years to do. And had anything like that ever been done before? We couldn't find anything sort of medical or disease-related on that scale at all. Someone said there was something about the environment that may have been had some global success, but I don't think anything on this scale in health had ever been done before, no. And were you surprised by how many people signed up? I mean, I, my day job is uh, running the UK Twin Registry, mm. which has about 15,000 twins on it. And I would have been very happy to have <laughs> just have included those twins, sent a personal message, say, guys, this is out there for you. And, you know, why not involve the rest of your family? So, yeah, if we'd have got 50,000, I'd have probably been oh, quite happy then. We had no idea it would be quite so successful and we take off in the way it did. And of course, there was so little information out there, we really didn't know what the government were doing. And we learned afterwards that the government had been shutting down other apps that other academics had started that never really got off the ground. And we were lucky we didn't get any shutting down orders early on before we'd, we'd gained size, because the government wanted to try and protect their NHS app that kept promising and never really delivered. Yeah. The institutions were fearful of a sort of privately managed app rather than the official NHS one, which never really proved to be that useful. It's a classic story, isn't it, of how the private sector can respond more quickly (laughs) and more flexibly? Because as you say, we were waiting a long time for the NHS app, which never, you know, did anything like the the COVID symptom study app. And yet it had a budget 200 times greater and hundreds of people working on it. And I think it just shows you in technology, small and nimble is always going to beat the big giants in getting something new there because they're not frightened to take risks uh, and come out with something that might have some glitches, but you can work out afterwards. It may be that people have launched apps in less than five days, but (laughs) I've not heard of any. Really proud of the the team that that did all this because there was a lot of amazing amount of work by people at that time, not knowing whether anyone would use it. You just put it out there and hope but you know what social media is like it's it's a lottery whether people like you know they'd have to like it and then share it but it just absolutely struck the right chord and I think the other thing we learned is that it it was a reciprocal process that you couldn't just launch something and this is where the NHS makes its mistakes is launch an app that is only one directional it doesn't give you anything back and so people started to expect us to give them feedback about their results and how it fits into their context. And so, you know, they feel they're getting something out of it as well, rather than just the altruism of knowing they've done something good. They're actually getting either local information or personal information. We gave them very early on blogs and videos and in a way their own health records. And this is what we're, we're, you know, we're trying to build on for the future. Let's talk about that now, because I know that you did get government funding, didn't you? 
but once yeah. you'd prove the success of the concept, but that is no longer being provided. Um, yeah, that's right. The first six months were, were funded by Zoe. We were sort of running out of money and we did some crowdfunding. So we did get about a million pounds from the public to uh, keep us going. And we put a lot of political pressure on the government to uh, fund us. And eventually that pressure paid off and they did fund us for 18 months uh, until the 1st of April when, yeah, very little warning, three weeks warning, they said we're stopping it. So you've talked, I know, about the the huge potential of the model being used now for other diseases as a, a sort of health surveillance tool. So how is the app now being developed into wider health studies? Well, we first had to uh, reconsent people because the original consent was we're only going to you know collect information on COVID. It won't be shared with others. It won't you know we you know we're not going to do anything non-COVID with your data. So we had to change that, get new ethics, and and we got I think eight hundred fifty thousand people to uh, agree to the new changes that we were going to use the data to make discoveries in major chronic diseases. And we asked people what they wanted, and they said we you know, most interested in cancer, dementia, heart disease mental health and musculoskeletal disease, which are, you know, everyone either has them or or knows someone with them. Mm -hmm. So that was the transition. And so what we're trying to do now is use this massive UK population database to start looking at how people might be logging every day or every week for their regular symptoms that can help uh, us understand those major diseases, either predict them early or developing algorithms that would say what combination of symptoms or signs are useful, or we might be able to look at links between lifestyle, say how much you sleep and particular things you eat with these diseases. But also, we this is a great source for doing drug trials or lifestyle intervention studies where you do, might do a mass diet for everyone for six months, you know, even things like skipping breakfast for six months or comparing that. You could do this on a, on a massive scale with people's help. Or it could end up being a tool that people use to keep a record of their own health in a way that, you know, you often might go to a doctor and they say, well, over the last three months, how many episodes of back pain have you had? Well, most people guess. It could be acid reflux or it could be uh, heartburn, chest pain, or all these kind of details that actually aren't being captured at the moment that might have an importance either for developing an algorithm using AI to say, okay, this person is really at high risk. And eventually the system, if it works, could end up replacing general practice just by, in a way, having an app that acts as your daily general practitioner asking how you are, what are your symptoms, and then puts it into models that say, okay, you know, you've had a year of this, I think you need to see a specialist. And I think this this whole area is really exciting, particularly as we might play back people's sleep over the last year or their mental health levels, how depressed they might have been, plus telling people about their diet, nutrition, how that might affect their gut health and their immunity, how many colds they had a year, all this kind of stuff just on your phone. That's really all, all the information you need. And I think we're still exploring all the potential of this, because obviously we haven't really been thinking about this for years. Uh, We're really just looking at it afresh.
but I think it has all kinds of amazing possibilities if if we can keep it going. I'm one of the 850,000 who re-consented because I thought it was fascinating, actually. I thought the whole experience of tracking the COVID symptoms and, as you say, looking at the data, I, I looked a lot at how cases were tracking in my own area uh, and how they were kind of ebbing and flowing and found that fascinating. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how the sort of tracking develops in future. I think it's going to be fascinating. Um you mentioned diet a couple of times when you were talking about tracking our health and how various things might affect it. I know that one of the findings that came out of the COVID symptom study was that quality of diet was linked to COVID-19 outcomes. So can you tell me a bit more about that? So I think in about May, June of the first year of the pandemic, we got about a million people to fill out a 15-minute food frequency questionnaire. So a snapshot, really, of of people's diet over the previous year that allowed us to do some crude estimates of things like how much meat people were eating and relative quality of the food and a rough guide to number of meals and, and calories, etc. And compared that with their chance of going on to getting severe or mild COVID or, or nothing at all. We found that the, the biggest factor in diet was that linked to severity of COVID, whether you went to hospital or how long your symptoms lasted, was after we adjusted for all the other factors, such as your level of obesity or diabetes, heart diseases, where you lived in the country, etc., was this a crude score of diet quality related to how much processed foods you ate and how many fresh plants fruits and vegetables you ate and that was really quite an eye-opener because I think it was the first time anyone's really linked an infection with something like diet which people have only really sort of associated with obesity and cancer up to now the fact that exactly what you choose to eat rather than just getting enough to eat every day can impact your immune system and we think this is acting probably by your gut microbes which are very responsive to what you eat. I think this came at a time when there was a chance to redress the problems of nutrition in in the UK because obesity was seen as a major factor of bad COVID initially. And obesity and diabetes and deprivation are the thing that links them all is the quality of of the food people eat, Mm. not just the amounts. And that, that coincided with what I've been researching the last 10 years and the books I've been writing like Spoon Fed, where I'm trying to ch- change people's idea about how they think about food and move them away from calories, make them think about what it actually they're putting into their mouths and is this good for your microbes, which will then be good for your immune system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along, and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. 
Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's ironic, isn't it? Because we're now having calorie information on <laughs> menus in restaurants, which is very much kind of one size fits all, isn't it? Approach to to diet. And you've written in your books about it's not just the quality of the diet; it's the personalization of the diet that you think is important to long term health. So, how can tech help with our diet how can a personalized diet approach be enabled by technology that's basically the the question we've been asking for the last five years with with the company zoe that is a a startup biotech company for the first three years basically ran studies called the predict studies to look at thousands of people giving them identical foods to see how they responded and whether we could use algorithms ai to predict how they'd respond to unlimited numbers of foods based on a few test meals and some logging during about 10 days. What we found was was quite amazing. We started with about a thousand people in the UK, most of them twins, giving them identical muffins, produced a tenfold difference in their glucose, insulin, blood fat and inflammation levels to the same food in normal people. So that was the first sort of aha moment to say, okay, we've got this huge variation. That means we can model this and start using predictive models and and tech. We found that even identical twins had very different responses to food. We put all this data, including the gut microbiome data, as well as these, these blood data into our models and are able to predict with over 80% accuracy now how someone's likely to respond to any of the common foods. And it's very different. So some people respond to fats badly and they'll have a lot of fat lying around in their system at six hours in their blood, which will cause inflammation and give them more risk of heart disease and putting on weight. Other people will get rid of it very fast. 
Similarly with blood sugar, we know that you know, some people can deal with a muffin, for example, high sugary muffin very quickly, no real problems. Others, it causes a major disturbance. We also found some people get a sugar dip, which means they actually get hungrier the rest of the day and will overeat. So all of this data tells us that calories are not equal. Mm. You give the same calorie muffin to 100 people, they'll have a different response. And so exactly coinciding with the government's misguided idea that you can condense food into a, a calorie, we're going the other way and saying, actually, it's highly personalized. And we put this together and actually launched just over, over a year ago in the US and we're starting to uh, gradually roll it out in the UK now. Ah, when's that happening? Because I've signed up, I think, to be notified. I haven't had a notification yet. We're doing it uh, gradually in early release form. So there's still uh, glitches, is it? So we're transferring it from the US to the UK databases. Yeah. But people have been on the waiting list the longest of being contacted first. So clearly so- not me. <laughs> No, we had some people waiting five years for this. Oh, my so gosh. Uh, yes, okay. There's, hu- there's huge demand. So it, it is coming. We're building it up slowly. Um, you know, we want to get it right and want to, uh, you know, give everyone who's been loyal to us waiting, you know, the most mm. chance. And so, but that's very exciting because what we've seen in the US is that it's people are using it to strangely not only lose weight, which you know, nearly all these Once you change your diet, most people expect to lose some weight, but improve their energy levels and uh, feel better and feel less hungry. And that's what 80% of people are doing that. Rather than do this as a one-off test, we've rolled this into a program so that people get given the menus and scores for the next week, but how to eat within your Zoe score for your particular metabolism. Mm. And they also get uh, linked to a personal coach. So in a way, what we're doing is a a digital version of having your own nutritionist who'd done, you know, thousands of pounds worth of of medical tests on you first to work out what suits you. And then um, the app is serving as this virtual nutrition uh, buddy that can follow you on this journey. And I think that's the sort of future of this as we will then start to introduce more and more menus and lifestyle advice and everything sort of tailored to you. There's going to be a huge amount of learning, isn't there, with this massive database of users. So I I guess using AI, you're going to be learning all the time. Yeah, and good examples of that are, you know, we we published on the first thousand people, which was at that time the biggest ever diet intervention study done. But we've now got data on nearly 20,000 people, which we're using for our algorithms. And we've also got a nearly 20,000 people's gut microbiome uh, results done by highly detailed metagenome sequencing. So this is highly computer intensive and it's measuring every gene in every microbe in your gut. Mm. And we can now identify 80% of these species. But linking those to all the foods requires huge numbers of people. So with 1,000 people, we managed to find 30 bugs that were common to most people that were associated with good and bad foods and good and bad health outcomes. So we've, we used that as the initial ratio. But now we've got you know, over 20,000 people. We can expand that list and start personalizing even more the gut health advice 
that we're giving, which is going to get better and better as we start to look at the interactions between food and the interactions with the gut microbes. And you send people the test kits, don't you, as part of the app? I've been reading about the, the blue dyed muffin. So maybe you'd like to explain what people need to do with that. The blue poop challenge is what it's called. Yeah. And actually, you can do this. You don't have to wait for the, the full Zoe kit. Go to the Zoe, join Zoe.com website or type in blue poop challenge. And you'll, you'll get instructions on how to make your own blue muffins or anything, any pastry. It doesn't really matter. And that gives you an idea of your transit time. So you, you eat this very blue, sort of luminous blue food. A day or two later, you know, you time when it comes out in the toilet. Yeah, it's often it's often a bit of a shock because you've forgotten about it. <laughs> and and we did we've done this on about ten thousand people so far, and it's a it's a sort of a, a poor man's microbiome test because roughly the longer it takes to come out, the less diverse, the less healthy your your gut microbes are. And you can go on and compare yourself to other people who've done the full test and get a rough idea of what your gut microbes are. But I think it's a, it's a useful way of getting people thinking more about their bowels without being embarrassed. Mm. And I think this test is now going to become a, a routine medical one because it's much better than the old, the old method, which was you had a, a, a poster in a doctor's surgeries and you were asked to say, what does your poo look like on a scale? So we found it's much better than that. But that's the Blue Poop Challenge, which is different to the Zoe kit, contains uh, whole sets of muffins, which have different amounts of sugar and some fats in them to eat on different days. It has a blood prick testing, a sort of optional blood prick testing if you want to look at your fat levels, where you just get a drop of blood after having a fatty meal. And it also has a continuous glucose monitor, which you stick on your arm yourself, and that then links to your phone. And so you, you can get uh, continuous readouts of your blood sugar levels. Wow. Uh, in real throughout, time. Throughout the in real time. Gosh, that's fascinating. We link those results to the, the food that you're logging also in real time. As you have meals, you log your food. You can bark many, you know, many packaged foods or restaurants, hopefully in the future, and, and get an idea of what you're eating and what you're, as you log your test. And then you get a, a kit to do your gut microbiome and return that. So you're testing for the 10 days yourself to really get that personalization in. You return all that. Then progressively you get these results back. You get your scores and you start to get recommendations with the the online nutritionists over the next few weeks. And then, then you, you're sort of on your way with a bit of help as and when you need it. And then we expect people... We want to be retested every six or 12 months if they've changed things particularly and want some encouragement that they're going in the right direction. A bit like the, the Zoe COVID app, everyone signs up, their data can be shared and used for research and for everything else. It's, it's a different model to it's anonymized, many other though, companies. It's anonymized, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, all, it's all anonymized. So there's no risk to the individual, but it, it's getting that spirit of that the more people do it, you get the better the personal recommendations you're going to get about your particular microbes and particular foods that can boost them or are harmful to them or particular things that are going to combinations of foods that are good 
so that you can still have some carbohydrates if you mix it with the right amount of fats, etc. So you could scan a barcode, so just thinking in the future, and, and it, your app would say, this is not a good food for you, or actually this is a great food for you and your particular... We're not binary here, so we don't want people to stop eating any food ever, and we want actually people to eat more and more different foods. Mm. So the barcode would tell you, it would give you an overall... Uh, score, which is called Zoe's score of, say, I don't know, between 0 and 100. And if it's like Coca-Cola, it might be uh, zero, if it was for me, because yeah. I have poor sugar control. And that just means, well, you know, really wouldn't recommend having that more than infrequently. Or it might be, you know, over 90 for an avocado, which means you can pretty much have as many avocados as you like, or kale or something, and everything else in between increasingly you scan a whole you might go to if you wanted a ready meal or you go to a restaurant you scan that it would tell you the whole meal how that would score for you Mm -hmm. and then that would fit in your plan for the week to say i'd like to have most of my meals that score an average above 60 and go that way so i think the barcode link back to your own app is the way people will start shopping start thinking of choices in menus and we hope that manufacturers will start working with us to want to get the best general scores or gut scores for their for their health. I've seen companies that can take uh, photos with your face that will tell us your blood pressure and heart rate, colour and things that are pretty correlated so they're going to get better. So as soon as they're good enough, we'll be incorporating those things, which all of these will increase the personalization mm. of what we're doing. And I, I think then the, the other big step would be uh, new ways of looking at the hard things to see in your microbes. So we're not very good at picking up things like fungi, and they could be really important for our immune system. So there's a number of technical things that still need to happen there to improve that. But the price of a metagenome scan, I think it was only 10 years ago, was about £10,000. Now we can do it at scale, you know, just over 100 Mm. So it's I can't see that going down to a tenth of that. <laughs> but it could be there might be even cheaper methods that would just take, you know, the top 100 microbes yeah. and uh, look at that in the future. But I think all those things, you know, are potentially reality. And now we've got the basis and we've got people also using it. So I think coming back to what you said at the beginning, it was hard to imagine millions of people, many of them aged over 60, using an app on a, on a daily basis to record their health. And I think people said, oh, well, no one over 50 is going to do this, you know, and, and absolutely proven wrong. Yeah. That if something is, is useful to you, you'll use it. Apps like the Zoe app, you know, will become like an Uber app that everyone has on their phone that they will be looking at food, being given a food quality score, what's it like for your gut microbiome. And in a way, empowering people to make their own judgment about food without having some government who've been lobbied at until they're you know until they're sick of it or misleading food labels or pushy supermarkets i think it's going to be a real revolution in 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 how people think about food and that's really what makes gets me very excited so how can people sign up for it and join the the end of the five-year waiting list hopefully it's not going to be a five-year waiting list though no, people have been waiting five years because yes. there wasn't a there wasn't a product. So they go to joinzoe.com. Yep. 
and they should be clear where there's a, a wait list and they, they sign up for that. So we're ramping up the speed and the numbers very rapidly. And so they, they should be hearing from us pretty soon. But, but in the meantime, do the, the blue poop challenge just as, as a way of educating yourself and your family about the importance of the gut microbiome. And, uh, you know, everyone can still start while they're waiting, think how they can eat healthily for their gut. Yeah, I could talk about this for, forever, Tim, but I'm, I'm very conscious of your time. So I just want to end with our final two questions that we have on It's Complicated for all our guests. What are three words that you would use to sum up your relationship with tech? Oh, I should have prepared this one. Um, three words. Well, it, it, it's been amazing, <laughs> amazingly one word, personalised is another. Yeah. And really, yeah, revolutionary. So all positive. I'm working in a very positive field. I know there are negative ones as well, but I've been lucky that I've only seen positive things coming out of this side of it. I do know, particularly the use of phones by kids has a negative side to it, but I think everything we've seen has been very empowering. And I think the positives outweigh the negatives, but we, we've just got to be careful with how we use it. So we've all been glued much more to our phones over the last few years. So I wondered if you've learned anything about yourself from, you know, you've talked about children, but what about you and the way you use your phone? I think like everyone, you can get addicted uh, to looking at your phone. I, like everyone, you know, was addicted to looking at what the COVID results were going up and down every day. And I do now have time limits on my use of the phone i make a make a point of never looking at after 10 p.m in the evening and i i try to have one largely phone free day apart from looking at the weather oh that's good is that a weekend day then yes or, <laughs> have yeah. to be a weekend day, yes. unfortunately <laughs> quite tricky to do that during <laughs> the week isn't it so how can people find out more about you tim and your work well they can follow me on twitter if they like sort of controversial items they follow me on on instagram tim.specter for nicer things and mainly the food related stuff and really my books really tell the story so the latest one spoon fed or the one before which was more about the microbiome was called the diet myth and the diet myth is actually a bargain at the moment it's it's uh the kindle format is on for 99p the whole of the month of april if people want to to, to find out about the gut microbiome and, and nutrition. That's a really good start. And it's a bestseller, isn't it? Uh, they're both bestsellers, I think. They're both bestsellers, yes. Yeah. They've both done uh, very well and they keep selling. So I, I'll probably be the rest of my life just rewriting them, which would be great. <laughs> yeah. So, Tim, thanks so much. Thank you. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps new people find us and it means you get a helpful notification whenever a new episode drops. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And my latest book, my Brain Has Too Many Tabs Open is available at Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit 
it's time to log off.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.